Hello and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I am delighted to bring back around for you today a conversation I actually had leading into 2022 with one of our amazing recurring guests, Scott Schutte. And you'll know if you've joined us here before, Scott is a longtime produce retail executive with 10 years at Sprouts, Bosch's, and Fresh Time. He has been recognized for excellent performance with awards throughout his career. He's been so kind to really give back to the industry through our discussions here on the pod. There are not a lot of places where you can get this quality and quantity of in-depth insight on a myriad of topics from someone who has lived the VP of Produce, Director of Produce Life for so many years. And so I'm always incredibly excited and incredibly humbled that Scott has been just so generous with his time and insight here. And so with all that in mind, the discussion today is focused on planning for the year ahead and setting goals. As I mentioned, we recorded it almost exactly one year ago today, headed into 2022, but the advice and perspective that Scott offers on the process that he has used is really timeless. So as we get ready to head into 2023, sit back and enjoy another masterclass from Scott Schutte. Scott, thank you so much for being back with us today. I'm really excited for this topic because I I know for myself, I love when the new year comes around and there's all this possibility and you get, you know, the actual new beginning, right? Like we can approach every day that way, but it's kind of fun when it's the start of the calendar, right? And so, absolutely, absolutely. And I was thinking from, you know, from a, a leadership perspective when you're, you know, kind of overseeing and really this, this is applicable for anybody in any job, right? Like when you're looking at the, the scope of what you want to do in the coming calendar year, uh, it's always nice to get a head start. So I wanted to hear from you kind of what has been your process over the years of looking at, all right, you know, these are the big picture things I want to accomplish. And then, you know, first of all, deciding on those, narrowing down that list, and then you go to the process of, you know, making the bite-sized components that make those happen and then communicating them, of course, to everybody who will help you, you know, actually achieve them. So let's, let's tackle the first part of those first, which is deciding on those objectives and, uh, and narrowing down the list, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I like your comment about the uh, timing. The new year will be here before we know it, and you've got to get started on this stuff early. In fact, uh, if you've got uh, some due diligence, um, and at, are good at taking notes or archiving some notes. It always helps to take some notes throughout the year. Uh, some things that are maybe reminders that uh, you remembered back in August, but you might not remember in November and December as you're starting to get ready and ramped up for the next year. One of my favorite places to start with as far as making a, a list of goals and objectives or what I'm going to do to accomplish and conquer the next year is I usually start with a simple exercise of going back to some original roots that I have, and that's thinking like a customer. And I go back into that customer type mode, and I start asking myself those questions that most likely every customer is asking themselves right now, too. Uh, We just have lived through a a difficult, challenging year and a half or so that's thrown a lot of uh, different challenges at us. And with that, Customer trends and habits have changed quite a bit from where they were two or three years ago. And so in order to better understand what's really changed and how customers really feel, I like to think like a customer and get down to that level of uh, really understanding what's important and what's critical to 
the root of the retail business and that's the customer. So that's usually my starting point. I love that, Scott. So thinking about um, for, for anybody kind of going through that exercise, you know, on their own, if if they're on the retail side, thinking about the customer, or if you're on the, the supplier side, thinking about your direct customer, right? What, what are the needs of your retailer or your food service operator or whoever it is that, that you're serving and kind of building things out of there, right? How do I support my, whatever my core constitu- constituencies are, right? In, in those kind of key areas. Yep, absolutely. And then you can kind of take that general thought and start subdividing it up into many other thoughts that come to mind. Um, having the right assortment of products. That's something that uh, the category manager doesn't tell you or the procurement team doesn't tell you, or sometimes really even the operations team can't tell you. That's what the customer is there for. The customer tells you what assortment is needed and what kind of uh, um, voids or vacancies that you might be missing. So probably starting out with some of those assortment needs and challenges and getting those addressed for the new year. We've got a different customer. We've got one that's kind of a a fast paced, more of a, I don't know if you'd call it a grab and go lifestyle, but um, a little bit more convenient, um, a lot more safe than they were in years past, meaning that uh, there's different types of products right now that you've got to stop and think a little bit and make sure that uh, you've got plans for your assortment to change as the customer has changed. I wrote down kind of a handful of notes of stuff that I've noticed that's changed quite a bit in the last six months or so. Um, All the additional cooking at home. All of a sudden, you've got uh, an amateur mom that, uh, you know, doesn't do a lot of at-home cooking, but now she's almost become a professional chef. Um, Or dads that are making kids lunches and doing lots of cooking and preparing of different items at home right now that's changed more than it ever has. So that makes kind of a, a different outlook of what the correct assortment should be for those type of needs. Um, when you talk about more and more cooking at home, that herb category just jumps out at me. Right now, fresh herbs are, um, they're an animal. Customers love fresh herbs right now and they really gravitated to the use of fresh herbs. So the big question when you're talking about, do I have the right assortment? Am I carrying the right product that my customers are looking for? That herb category comes to mind right now. That should be one of those many different categories. It's on the checkbox list to make sure that you're supplying your customers with all the different fresh herbs that they're using to cook with right now. Value added. No, we've talked about that uh, on several uh, different podcasts and conversations, but Value added is big right now. Again, it's a consumer that's looking forward to fast, convenient, but food safety also. So value added, whether it's bag salads or packaged cut fruit or cut, cut vegetables, those are all big on the list of having the right assortment and creating the right assortment for the next year. It's hard to predict what the trend is gonna be for next year, but I can almost bet that value added herbs and all the different other items that are right now being sold in bags like uh, uh, bagged apples, bagged citrus, uh, tote bags that uh, either the store is prepared or maybe a a vendor package tote bag. Those are all convenience, grab and go, very food safe type items that probably need to stay on that list or maybe even develop into something bigger and better for going into 2022. Another one of my examples of looking at what needs to be done for 
the uh, total assortment of the department in order to better serve the customers. You gotta ask them what they need or what they're looking for. Um, there are merchandising opportunities out in the stores too that the customer is gonna actually help you better understanding, a better understanding of what your merchandising needs are for moving forward. And it's gonna be important for you to have those plans for uh, as soon as possible, hopefully now, but for sure going into 2022, to have the right displays and the right fixtures and the right space out in the department. Um, I go back to some thoughts that I had of a, a couple of years ago on a big local grown corn promotion that we were doing and walking into a store and seeing customers just hovered around the entire corn display, talking and chatting and putting the fresh corn in the bag and kind of uh, mingling amongst each other. But that's a picture that you wouldn't see today Customers are kind of spacing themselves out a little bit farther. So there wouldn't be those 20 people surrounding a corn display, shucking corn and putting corn in a bag. There might be one or two of them that are kind of politely sharing that space. And so that poses the question, what do I have to do this coming year for retail sales space? How can I grow my space and maintain or increase my sales at the same time, but give customers what they're looking for as far as that safety factor when they're in the store and they're shopping. So definitely something to think about there. But those were some of the ideas that um, come to mind when you end up thinking like a customer or pretending you are the customer. Some of the best ways though that I've found to do that is um, not to become a customer, but spend some time within your stores, get down in the trenches, work with, physically work with the team members that are there talk to the customers, experience it firsthand, you know, some of the great things that they like and some of the things that they wish maybe needs to be changed or wants to be changed and get it firsthand from them. But um, both your customers and the store level folks are great advocates for letting you know what's working and obviously what's not working. So. That's super helpful, Scott. And I'm curious too. So let's, let's take the assortment example. So once you kind of identify different areas that you think it'll be important, you know, to focus on in the coming year. So let's say, you know, getting the right value added assortment, getting the right assortment in your herbs category. How do you then, first of all, how do you quantify like what, what that looks like, right? Like what's, what's the right answer? What's the thing that you're going for to make that a reality? And then what are kind of the bite-sized pieces that go into achieving that? How, how do you kind of, um, you know, put, put specific action steps with kind of that bigger goal? Sure. I think it all first starts with and kind of dovetails into your sales goal for that following year. Obviously, as retailers, we're super competitive and we want to have bigger and better sales than we did the year before. So it's all about gaining sales. It's all about increasing your sales. It's all about overachieving your sales budget. So how are you going to do that? You got to do that by selecting that right assortment. Um, the supply chain and making sure in-stock conditions is a whole other piece of that puzzle, but making sure you've got the right items that a customer is looking for when they walk in the door, first and foremost. Second to that would be focusing on the needs of making sure that that shelf is full 100% of the time, but it always goes back to what's the number one goal that you have right now. And most of the time, 10 times out of 10, a retailer is going to tell you it's gaining sales and increasing sales, year over year sales or 
uh, year over 2019 sales or whatever might be considered the norm for back then. It's all about increasing sales, maintaining an increase and a steady growth in sales is critical to the business. So each and every one of those goals are going to always go back to what do I do to move the sales needle? If I do this, what will happen? And so there are a lot of hypotheticals to look at. There are a lot of uh, industry professionals that are partners with you to help you on that crusade. A lot of category management that goes on behind the scenes of uh, grower, shipper, manufacturers that can point you in the right direction. But it's up to you to be able to follow that direction and have trust in them as industry experts to help guide you the right way. And I'm curious too about how you communicate, because obviously, like you said, the big goal is is always increasing sales, right? That's that's pretty much unchanged from from year to year. Um, yep. When you, but when you get down to some of the more specific categories, some kind of the the projects, the initiatives that that you know obviously are designed to support that. How do you go about communicating those to you know all the different stakeholders whose whose help you need to achieve those things? Whether you say category management you know, maybe even all the way down to the store level, like, hey, these are areas where we think we can grow. What are your ideas? You know, what's what's that process look like of communicating those things, you know, a little bit in advance and then maybe even, you know, throughout the year to kind of keep everybody on track? Yeah, for sure. It's easier said than done. Yes. There are three very important stakeholders and they're different stakeholders that are involved in this whole process. Um, most retail organizations will have a, a support team and that's the team that actually initiates and decides on what those assortments might be or are going to develop to be. They're the ones that put together standard operating procedures for that program. They're the ones that help put together detailed schematics and planograms that help assist the store level folks. But they are one of, of three. The second would be the operations procurement team. Those are the folks that need to go out and make sure that they're buying the right product, the right specification, the right size, the right net weight, all the details that support is asking for, the procurement team has to follow. And oh, by the way, they have to make sure that they're 100% in stock every single day of the year. So they need to be well aware of what the shift or the changes into the assortment that procurement wholesale team is also a shareholder in the process of the negotiation that takes place in moving to a different vendor's program or a different assortment of items. They've got to be part of that process and help in establishing not only the selection, but what the cost of goods is going to end up being and how that's going to fit into the slotting system, even at the warehouse or distribution system. And then the third big stakeholder is going to be the operations team. That's where the rubber meets the road out at store level. And so if the support team comes up with a great standard operating procedure and a great plan and a great assortment, the procurement team or the wholesale team does a great job executing and is able to bring in the product. All of that doesn't matter if it's not executed by the operations team or understood by the operations team out in store level. So they're equally or more important of that stakeholder group than the other two. And so getting all three of those on the same page is super important. And that's probably first and foremost. After that accomplishment is done, that's when you can break the groups into three and individually have those goals and objectives and directives 
handed out to each of those groups as far as what they're responsible for in order to make this magic actually happen. It takes a lot to get a new product from a vendor grower shipper that might be existing or might be a brand new vendor partner, but it takes a lot to get it onto the store shelf and to get it looking great and have a, a proper shelf tag or a sign above it or below it and some way, shape or form for that store team to get behind that new program and endorse it, understand it, know about it. Uh, hopefully they've been able to sample it and they've tried it and they're big spokespeople about that product and could help explain and tell customers about it, especially if it's new to the assortment or something maybe a customer has been looking for for a long time. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into it for sure. It's not uh, somebody sitting at the top of the ivory tower that says, we're gonna carry these five new items and it happens overnight. It's gotta go through these uh, three strategic groups and make sure that each of them can completely execute their plan to the final finish of a customer scanning that item through the front register and getting home and eating and enjoying it, that's when the process is actually finished and over with. And it's a lengthy one for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, and you mentioned, Scott, that kind of the gold standard here, right, is whatever, you know, whatever category you're, you're tackling that you may have new items in or, or something that you're, you're really trying to make a difference, you know, in that category, the gold standard is really to have those folks at the store level become, you know, advocates for that category, for those new items. What is a, a time that comes to mind for you when you saw that really come to fruition? When like all the, you know, it just clicked with every part and you could tell at the store level that folks were, were bought in and, and you could see it make a difference with customers. Well, really uh, in years past, this was um, not an easier program or a plan. But um, the, we had a great strong tool at the very end to really make it successful. And that great strong tool I'm talking about was active and passive sampling out in the stores. So not only the, the team members of the store could try it and taste it and enjoy it, but all the customers that came in and wanted to know about it would have that chance to uh, either actively or passively get a sample of it and enjoy it and become a fan favorite of it at that point in time. Well, today's day and age, as you can tell, the number of retailers that are out there actively or passively sampling has diminished quite a bit. And there's a different uh, concern of food safety than there has been in years past and overall public safety in years past. And so we've got to do our best right now at store level to be able to properly tell that story to customers instead of letting them maybe taste that story like they've done before in the past. So it's a little bit uh, easier for the store level folks right now to have their own store team meetings and to be able to announce new programs or new lineups that they've got into the produce department and how their assortment has changed and how to do that in a very food safe way, but to offer the team members those samples to be able to enjoy and have them become ambassadors of that particular product line. And really we're entrusting them in quite a bit. And that is to take some of their opinions and their taste buds and hopefully translate that message out to the customer that happens to have that question and wants to know, hey, you know, I haven't seen this before. What's it all about? What can you tell me about it? Well, that'll be our, our, our first line of offense in order to help sell that product, that team member is going to be the gatekeeper in that. After that, it probably defaults back to what we could do from a marketing perspective and how we can get the word out on a brand new lineup. 
Um, a lot different than it was 10 or 15 years ago where we didn't have the ability of social media or the luxury of social media, but we have a lot of different avenues at this point in our life that we can utilize to better market new assortments and new product lineups that are coming into your organization. And so becoming best partners with the marketing team, super critical in any change that you make to your assortment. And that really includes, Ashley, if you decide you're not going to carry a certain assortment that maybe you used to, you've got to have a marketing team that's going to be able to help support you in the decisions for why you don't necessarily carry that particular program any longer or that particular assortment any longer. And you've got to have a great answer for it, but you have to have a better solution to that also. And so when you get a customer email concern or maybe a blog and social media that is not a fan of maybe something that you no longer carry, you have another item that you can offer them and explain some of the reasons why you made some of the moves and changes that you did and ultimately help keep that customer happy because of the assortment changes that you made. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and you mentioned uh, the one thing that was going through my head as you were talking too was the the why, right? C- communicating not just the what we're doing, but we've thought it through. This is why we've come up with what we've come up with. And that kind of empowers them to, uh, you know, your folks at the store level to, to, to get to just a little bit different level with that customer instead of just saying, well, you know, we, we don't carry that any, anymore. We carry this instead. No, oh, why do you switch? And then saying, well, I don't know, that's above my pay grade, you know, to be able to give an answer like, hey, you know, we we tested this and, and we saw we were getting a lot of happy customers. People were coming back and buying it again. And so we, d- we decided that, you know, this was the best product that we could offer. And so, you know, that's why we made the switch, right? Like empowering those folks with, with information. And I'm I'm curious because I know it can be, uh, again, like you said, easier said than done. And so, you know, how to how to give those folks enough information, but not overwhelm them with information. How do you kind of strike the balance there? That's a great question, because really there is so much information these days. I mentioned earlier that, you know, your your vendor, grower, shipper, manufacturer has a plethora of information and data that they get nationally all across the United States. So they can tell you some of the greatest hits that are really working and something that's trending over on the West Coast or coming in hot on the East Coast. Um, But how much is too much? And that's where you have to be able to, uh, at some point in time, um, draw the line and simplify things a little bit, especially when it gets down to the store level folks. Freshness is always a factor. So reasoning for changing an assortment for better better freshness is a big plus. Changing it for the food safety of a category or an item is another big talking point or a good plus for the store level people that help resonate. Um, Making changes and adjustments that would represent a better value to the customer are always good talking points to have with the folks and the team members down at store level. So they really understand that uh, this is beneficial, not only from a, from a taste profile, but also from, a, from a, a wallet or a pocketbook standpoint, that this could be of a value or a bigger value to that consumer as an end result of making this decision. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, you only run across these type of situations a handful of times. Uh, they're not the majority by far. They are the, the small minority 
the way that you take care of them is really what matters. The way that you can actually let a customer know um, some of the basic reasons why you've made a change, but not just stand on that alone, but the flexibility of being able to actually give them that product to take home and try and see for themselves is important. And like I said, it's the small, small minority of customers that would have a question or a concern on any of the assortment changes that you made. Why not take care of them? Why not take care of them completely and have them be the next spokespeople or advocates of that new product or that new product line by enjoying it themselves for basically nothing for free. So. Yeah, that's that's such a great point. And I it makes me think of this sounds funny, probably, but a couple different things I saw on on LinkedIn recently conversations around exactly this thing you're talking about in terms of really building your brand and building your customer loyalty one person at a time. Right. Because each interaction when it's when it's that that close of an interaction, right, like a person talking to another person in your store, the place that they come to every week. Like that can either be a really positive lasting impression or a very mediocre lasting impression. So the part that I was going to pick up where you left off on was uh, really talking about brand recognition, as you you stated earlier. Um, brand recognition is super important to the consumer right now because a lot of them have lost that ability to uh, in-store shop. Maybe they're doing a little bit more online shopping. And when they see a brand or a story behind the brand or a story behind the farm or the farmer themselves, um, that's the trust that they have right now on being able to uh, select that right item. Um, for the customers that are still in store, those customers are most of them extremely savvy in the world of uh, social media, in the world of uh, email blasts and being able to look at what's on sale on their computer. Um, at home before they even get there, that's a great time for us to plant the seed and give them really something to, uh, to think about and remember as kind of a subliminal message. By the time they get to the store, hopefully it's already on the shopping list, but if it accidentally doesn't make it to the shopping list, by the time they run into that display and they see that new item, there is that correlation between what they've already seen and heard in a past format or two and what is sitting in front of them, staring at them, begging them to pick it up and give it a try. So um, those are some important avenues of uh, getting that product into the shopping cart and finishing that entire transaction. And we've mentioned a couple of times, Scott, the, the importance of folks at store level and, and carrying out a lot of this, the, uh, the rubber meeting the road there in the store, as you yeah. said earlier. And so I was curious too, you know, is when folks are in, you know, either director of produce or VP of produce or, or really wherever you're at in the leadership structure, thinking about, you know, the folks who report to you, what kind of things do you encourage them to think about when they're shaping their 2022, you know, their year ahead goals um, and, and how that fits in the bigger picture or, you know, even just getting a feel for like where they want to go and, and helping support them in those things in the coming year. Yeah, um, great comment because it really does fit into the entire biggest picture of what you're doing for the next year. Um, they are a big part of what's going to happen from an execution standpoint, and they might be the last part of it, but they are probably the most important part 
of what your plan is going to be for the next year. Um, I mentioned early on that, you know, I go into a mode of thinking like a customer and then I go into a little bit of mode of uh, pretending I'm back at store level and actually getting down in the trenches and working with the store level team members to say what's working and what's not working, what would make life easier for you, what would help your customers out, what are they looking for, and just getting that viable feedback from them. But when it's all said and done, all the different goals and objectives you have as a leader of the company have to have and end up with a trickle-down effect that goes through your direct reports all the way down to little Johnny, who just started in produce two weeks ago. And it, that's a very difficult task to be able to uh, take your ultimate biggest spotlight of a goal and have it reach the very newest team member of a produce department in a very short part of time. But you have to do it in a similar way than I talked about earlier. You've got to understand that you've got three primary groups that you work with. You've got your kind of own support team that uh, helps everything get launched and all those details. You've got the wholesale side of the business and you've got that operations side of the business. Um, it is a series of many different meetings and many get to different get togethers with those individuals by themselves and making sure that they know exactly what your detailed plans are. Um, they know first and foremost why, and that question's answered immediately because they have, to, uh, they have to have some knowledge of why the changes are happening or why this extreme goal is being set for them. And then most of all, they have to have some understanding of how we all are gonna help reach and obtain that goal. That it's, this isn't just a, a one-sided goal and objective exercise for somebody at the end of the year. This is a total team effort that involves all three different aspects of the business, working on their own, but also playing together in the sandbox very well with each other and making sure that those three different groups are actually working in harmony at all times. I think you used a really good example earlier about uh, the procurement team treating the operations team as the customer. Um, I couldn't have said that any better because that is so important to the business, just like it is the support team understanding that really they have two customers. They have a little bit of a, a customer in the procurement or the procurement wholesale side of the business, and they have a big customer in the operations side of the business also that they have to worry about taking care of. And so um, ultimately, ultimately, everybody has a customer that they're taking care of. And um, that goal, when it reaches that final new produce clerk that's been around for two weeks, uh, very tricky to do, but uh, there are countless steps to be able to make sure that it trickles down and gets all the way to the very end of it. Maybe even little things that we haven't spoke about or talked about yet, such as that new item, or that new addition to the category has some additional play in the weekly ad flyer. And so now it's something that the whole store team sees quite a bit more of because, hey, we're selling quite a bit more of it, or hey, the shelf's empty again, and I have to fill it again. What's going on with this new item? Uh, and then some of maybe the infomercial stuff that goes on over the intercom at store level that's actually talking about this new flavor of Apple, the first of the season, and how unique it is because of its growing location and its local grown, by the way, and some of the other details 
there are a lot of different messages via marketing team, uh, via through the support team, via through the procurement team, and through the grower, shipper, vendor, manufacturer themselves that needs to get to that end user. And that would be the store team and the customer that buys them. So a lot of different influences coming from a lot of different directions in order to make some of those goals actually happen and become obtainable. I think the last thing I would ever wanna do as a leader is develop a goal and objective for the next year or really the next month or the next quarter and not have understanding and buy-in and support from the people that are gonna make it work. So for me, that would mean, you know, not having support from within my own team, my own leadership team, my own executive team, not having the comfort and um, uh, the willingness to give a thumbs up to a program or, or not to be able to have them understand exactly why I'm making the moves and changes would be difficult. To have a operations team that doesn't care if uh, it's merchandised correctly or where it's located or you know how it's displayed and how it's featured, uh, that could be detrimental to the master plan. So you've got to make sure that you've got complete partnership in whatever your goals and objectives are. And most of all, you've got to have flexibility and check the ego at the front door when you're presenting some of these goals and objectives because I found out firsthand in a lot of situations that I've got a great plan in my mind, but there's folks out there that have other ideas to help enhance and improve this idea to the next level a little bit farther. So you got to have some flexibility in what your goals and objectives are also. Doesn't mean you have to change them or cross them off the list because, you know, operations team, you know, snooted their nose at it a little bit, but it means that there's got to be a partnership and cooperation and understanding that's a, a mutual agreement and a mutual process between all different facets of the organization before it can actually work. Well, and Scott, I love that you brought up something in terms of the communication tools that a lot of times the retailer will use, you know, primarily to reach the consumer those are also additional impressions for your store team. Like you mentioned, the, the in-store radio, you know, having something in the ad, flyers around the store, you know, whatever some of those different touch points are on the social media, you know, all those things that your store team members will see just like the shoppers will see, you know, to, to do those things, you know, thinking in mind kind of that dual purpose, like, hey, this is serving us in, in multiple ways, right? And educating not only our, are in consumer, but the folks who are, are really, you know, at uh, on the ground level, um, you know, reaching that in consumer as well, which I, I think is important. Cause like you said, the, the 17 year old who, who started the summer job there, right. He's, he's not getting the produce manager emails or in the weekly, you know, produce manager meetings or, or some things like that. Um, but that's another way to kind of reach those folks um, and kind of reiterate that, that message, which, um, I, I had one retailer I talked to who said, I am the king of reiteration. I'm going to put, you know, whatever the message is, I'm going to send it in as many different forms, as many different ways as possible, because like you said, it's easier said than done to get that trickle down effect. It really is. Oh, it is. But one other thing that we're, we're forgetting and we have to really think about in today's day and age is the fact that uh, not only is knowledge power, but knowledge is retention for the retailer. The more you can train, educate, and develop that 
you know, new produce clerk that just started, uh, or even somebody that's been around for a while, that's powerful for them. That makes them feel quite a bit more comfortable standing on the front line than it does not knowing some of those important details that happen. Um, they like it too. And I shouldn't say they like it. They love it. They love hearing and learning new things that are going on in the world of produce. So if you're able to get that little email blast out to them, or you're able to tie something into their social media that they frequent quite often, there's a great opportunity to connect with them. You you kind of make them the expert so that they're prepared to, to be that for, for the shopper, which is is cool to me because it makes it it makes it more than the job of physically putting things out in the department, right? You you give them kind of a, a different status there. I think you're not a robot. You're actually somebody that matters and that uh, is able to help explain things and ultimately see a grocery cart go from one or two items to a heaping full grocery cart once it gets to the front end. So important part of the business. But as a leader. Um, all the changes that are going on in today's workforce are a huge uh, goal and objective for moving forward the next couple months and into 2022. Um, something different that has kind of always been on the radar, but as a priority, maybe it hasn't been so high as it is right now. And it's probably close to, if not at the top of the priority list right now, for changes and adjustments to goals and objectives moving forward that have to be made. Um, we got to have some hiring plans. You got to have some goals for how you're going to be able to uh, hook some folks into coming to work and being an active part of, of your produce team and helping build the business over there. And the big magic question is, you know, what can you do right now to hire more folks? And that's big at retail. It's also big on the wholesale procurement side of the business. Also, what can we do to maintain that workforce or actually increase the workforce because business is growing so much? So a couple of neat things that have crossed my path in the last uh, number of weeks or so that uh, I've seen and heard of different retailers or different organizations using as a tool is they put together in uh, some form of a fashion of uh, immediate paycheck options for team members. So a good example of that would be I, I go in and I work eight hours today. I get paid for my eight hours tomorrow and wow. it's automatically in my account. And it's different because a lot of folks are not used to that. Um, I used to have to wait a week or two before I received a paycheck after working um, I've seen that change in a handful of organizations where they're almost giving immediate payment for work that's performed, and that seems to be attracting some members. So that, for me, as a, uh, a hypothetical, that might be on my list of goals and objectives for you know better hiring practices in, in 2022 and moving forward. I might put something like that together and complete a detailed plan and a synopsis on what could happen if we were able to make something like that a possibility within my organization. Um, I know another thing that sounds kind of basic, but um, it attracts a lot of team members and it creates a lot of team loyalty is giving those member discounts at the store that you work at. And uh, it goes a long way in today's day and age to be able to go to work for a company that actually gives you back quite a bit to 
shop at your own store. Mm -hmm. And I know those are two big carrots that are being dangled out there recently to help attract more team members to work at the particular store or organization. So then the question, uh, the next question is, once I've got them hired, how do I keep them? And that's a whole other set of retention yeah. plans that have to really go into your, your goal and objectives for moving forward into the farther year. What can you do better as far as training programs that help educate and develop the team members so they stick around a little bit longer than, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months? What can you do as far as... Um, Let's get some excitement into this whole thing and retain some team members. Let's get some of those fun display contests, you know, that offer some rewards and some prizes and some recognitions for all the great stuff. Let's put those in our plans for moving forward for the next year. And then it goes to um, something really as simple as visibility to the company ladder. And it's something we all forget about, but there's a lot of people that are reading that job ad on Indeed or social media somewhere, and they know that you're hiring, but they really don't know too much about the rest of your company. What kind of plan can we put together that would give them exposure to the company ladder and all the possibilities they have of coming in as a, a starting produce clerk and ending up a store director or somebody on the procurement team or the quality control team at the distribution center? I mean, what kind of pathway do they have in order to go from X number of dollars per hour to a full-time salary position that could end up being their livelihood and career for many years to come? And I think that's something that sometimes that uh, we as leaders maybe neglect to help explain better to that new produce clerk that just started. Um, but it's something that's important and that's critical and needs to go on planning for the future for sure, because I, I think that's something that folks are looking at right now, other than how much can you pay me today? They want to know how much are you going to be able to pay me tomorrow and what does my future look like farther down the road also? So that's got to be an important part of planning. And then when it comes to, you know, the changes that are going on in the labor force, being able to make that employee understand that uh, your company that believes in promoting from within will be also super critical. Mm -hmm. And I think once they get the general understanding of all that I just mentioned, that all of a sudden becomes a very interesting place to work at. Mm -hmm. And uh, that might be another hook that you're able to uh, use as a, a recruiting tool and a permanent placement tool for moving forward with plans for building your workforce. Absolutely. I think communicating, communicating intentionally the, uh, the purpose and what you do and also the, the potential for, for a career that, that's bigger what, than what you're doing in that specific moment is just a huge opportunity, right? Because I think everybody in the business knows like in produce and in, in retail grocery, I think the same, you can do a huge range of, of different jobs. I mean, even if someone, you know, is starting in the produce department and they, they really, you know, find they enjoy the, the merchandising part of it and they enjoy, you know, thinking about, you know, how can we price differently or how can we message this differently? Maybe they want to go into the marketing side of it. You know, there's, there's all kinds of different opportunities. And to your point, Scott, I think the more that there's a, a strategy around communicating those 
and about checking in with with those team members on on a regular recurring basis about you know how are you liking it now what what are your favorite parts right like what are the parts that if you could magically lift these out of your job tomorrow you would right because not that we can always change those things but you know taking a, a proactive approach to to helping people um helping people cook career plan right because that's i don't know about you that's a resource that I, I never really thought about, you know, as a kid in college is looking for a place that like would give me guidance, you know, going through those things. Um, but a, a lot of places where I think people really enjoy working and, and tend to stay longer, they, they kind of have that vision, right? They, they understand the structure, they understand what it takes to get to that next rung and kind of what the different areas are. And um, like you said earlier, when we're talking about different, different um, products and, and expanding assortments, knowledge is power, right? Like understanding the opportunities and the potential that goes a long way. It kind of lets you have more of a vision for what's out there. Um, and, and that just changes the way you, you work and in, in your ownership and what you do, I think. Absolutely. Yep. And all retailers know right now, or all organizations know right now, the cost of recruiting and finding help it's pretty steep and it keeps yeah. getting steeper because the uh, the world is more competitive as we know it. And it bodes in their favor to uh, be able to spend that extra time, provide them the knowledge, provide them with uh, the understanding of, um, you know, the career opportunities that are at stake here. And it's not uh, a matter of I'm going to work for a grocery store and I'm going to be a bagger at the front end or a carryout for the front end my entire lifetime. It's not remotely even close to that, as you pointed out. Um, the different parts of the business from high-level executive business ownership to you know the human resource side of the business to the marketing side of the business, as you pointed out, and every other aspect of um, transportation and delivery and uh, actually having a retail start that gets you a foot in the door in the world of wholesale is a possibility. And to become one of those folks that uh, actually gets a chance to get out into the fields and see product growing and understand it a little bit better and partner with grower, shipper, vendor, community people that um, get that product into the store and onto the shelf. There's all kinds of possibilities, but we got to let the folks know about that first. And there's got to be some type of plan moving forward um, that uh, allows them to think that. Uh, one of the other things that I was really thinking about that's going to be important in making your plans for the next couple months left in the year or all of the next year would be really analyzing the supply chain. And are there any kinks in the supply chain? Are there any major broken pieces to the supply chain that are obvious that need some type of a goal or objective to get them fixed? Um, number one, again, on my list right now for the supply chain has to be something that uh, I know Joe Watson has spoke about quite a bit. And that's really optimizing and building that uh, stronger vendor partnership and today's day and age, um, that really needs to rank high on the list of priorities for goals and objectives mm -hmm. with um, anything dealing with the supply chain. That's got to be up there and equally as important as the attention that the operations folks and the store level folks need. We've got to have some attention to being a better partner or creating better partnerships 
with that uh, that other side of the business. So that would be at the top of the list. Um, lots of check boxes, though, when it comes to the supply chain, not only making sure that you've got the right partnerships or you've got enough partnerships established, um, just making sure that something as simple as your your fill rates are in line with what the industry averages should be um, in order to keep customers happy down at the store level. Um, I can't stand going shopping and, and that item that I'm looking for has a big vacancy or a big empty spot on the shelf. It's disheartening. It sometimes changes my whole menu, uh, you know, of what's on my shopping list or whatever. But right now, um, for as much traffic and customer activity as we have out in retail stores, we need to be spot on with uh, the fill rate. So maybe there's a plan to upgrade what we're doing in technology that's going to help out, you know, better forecasting and better in-stock conditions with, with fill rates. Um, but there's got to be something that we can put on our goal and objective list to help improve maybe fill rates if we're faltering there. Um, reducing the number of days on hand that maybe product sits in the supply chain could be another big goal and objective. How are we going to do that? How are we going to get fresher product out to the stores and make it last longer for the end user, the customer? How can we do a better job at the wholesale end of the business and the distribution warehouse side of it? How can we do a better job at the store level side of it? So it's not in the backroom warehouse of the store sitting there dying a slow death. There's got to be a lot of planning goals and objectives for how we can make that product move through the supply chain quite a bit faster. Um, Another one that comes to mind that I'm thinking of, maybe a, a goal or a plan for moving forward into next year, happens to be strengthening that quality control process that you have at the point of receiving. Um, are you buying the right product? Is it in the right grade and condition and quality standards that you're expecting to provide your customers with? Maybe that is a weak point. You know, maybe that's something that you need to dig a little bit farther into. But as you can see, that supply chain, um, it's got itself a whole list of goals and objectives that um, need to be looked at and need to be drilled down. And we have uh, um, in the past used events called Kaizen events. And they're events that uh, we put together that actually put a leadership person like myself, who maybe doesn't know a whole heck of a lot about quality control or receiving or order selecting and order building and order transportation into that place and actually gives me a chance to kind of live a day in the life of a receiver or live a day in the life of an order selector and go through the motions that they go through to actually physically in person find out what the roadblocks are, what's holding them back from doing a better job what kind of improvements are needed to streamline that process of your business? And are there indeed cogs in the wheel? Is there something that just slowing us up that maybe they've been doing for months and months or years and years and they've never noticed, but a fresh set of eyes comes in and takes a look at and realizes, wow, what a difference that would be if I could change this, this, and this, and the chain reaction that might happen because of that. And so it's important to have visibility and to be a partner in making some of those changes in that process also. So your, your planning, your plotting, and your strategy has a lot more to do than just retail. 
and just the support level, you got to get involved in that supply chain part of the business also and make sure that your goals and objectives are covering that important part of the business. So. Well, and those, those are all great examples, Scott, in particular when you were talking about days out of the supply chain that, that triggered something in my mind, which is, you know, keeping an eye out too for all of these things that are, are goals and improvements that you're looking to make. A lot of those, I think, could be turned into really cool stories for your end consumers too, because like taking a day out of the supply chain, like if I say it like that, the the average consumer might not understand what value that has for them. But if I say, hey, we're we're taking a day out of our supply chain so that you have an extra day to use those strawberries or you have an extra two days or an extra three days to use those strawberries. I mean, now that's something where I, as the retailer, have provided them real value, right? Because that's, that's I know, something that we're always trying to do is, is communicate the value holistically and not just the, the price tag that they see, but what they're really getting out of shopping with us and purchasing our product, right? Because we, we all know the difference between when we walk in somewhere and we see something on the shelf that it's like, eh, you know, it, it might be passable and it's like fine. Um, and when we go and we see something that we're like, wow, like that, it's a little more money, but like, I will pay for that because I know I'm getting my money's worth. Right. And, yep. and I think, you know, watching for the the opportunities to, to tell those, those stories, um, you know, and, and they're probably different in different corners and different regions and, and, you know, all those caveats. Um, but that, that can be a cool exercise too. Yeah, you've got me thinking of one that's a little bit different, but along the same lines. And that would be the story that could be told about something as simple as the banana and how important it takes, you know, that five days to perfectly ripen a banana. But yet there are some organizations out there that will take a handful of shortcuts to try to speed up the ripening process of a banana. The end result's not so good. The end result for a customer is you got a, a banana that ripens real fast or you got a banana that uh, stalls out on the kitchen countertop and doesn't end up ripening to that uh, golden yellow color that we're used to. Uh, but many different things can happen with something as simple as cheating and not having a strict banana ripening program within your organization. So the care and handling that it takes a dark green banana just fresh off the boat from South America and the five days of love that it's given, you know, to perfectly ripen and be able to get out to the store in one piece and then get home to the consumer to last many days on their kitchen countertop. That's the similar type of story that, you know, you're able to tell by um, some of the right, correct processes that uh, your organization is involved in and practices every day for sure. Awesome. Well, Scott, anything you think we're, we're missing on kind of goals and objectives for, for 2022 or anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, it's one of those things when you ask a loaded question like that, um, I'll probably come up with uh, you know another 20 different things after this, this podcast and conversation. But I do have one important one left, and it's uh, another ex- exercise that's equally important to what I do to usually get started with my goals and objectives, and that's really get down to the customer level and down in the trenches of the store. One of the other things that is equally important that uh, I really love to do is reflect on the past current year and reflect on what's been accomplished, what's worked, what's not worked. Um, How about those things that are just home runs? 
and that have been extremely successful. Is there any more juice left in those to squeeze out? Can you get a little bit more out of that and still have that on your goals and objectives for the preceding year? Mm -hmm. um, have you maximized it all the way? And, and then I hate to talk about it, but there might be some of those epic failures that happen and that you just didn't uh, succeed. You weren't successful in that goal or the objective for the current year. And maybe you failed miserably, but is it worth throwing away? Maybe not. In, in most cases, probably not. You might just have to attack it from a different angle, come up with a better plan, a better strategy and better resources to maybe carry that goal off and finish it up finally and make it successful for moving into the next year. Uh, don't write it off and don't forget about it, but um, understanding what you did in the current year that you're in and how successful you were, how complete you were in finishing your goals, what's still left unfinished that you know might have to unfortunately move into the next year because of a change of events or some uncertainty that happened. You need to make sure that those don't fall off the radar and that they're still kept and still a part of what uh, maybe your future goals might entail and take advantage of uh, understanding how you've been successful in the past and how you can continue to be more successful in the future by what's going on currently is also super important. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent point, Scott. And I think you mentioned too, at the beginning is you like to kind of take notes throughout the year, right? And so not just when you get to the end of the year, not just looking ahead, but looking back too, and getting a, an understanding of what worked, what didn't work, and and then taking the the learnings from all those things. And that's, that's something I do think is, um, is so huge. And in, in, in the way in which you approach it can really kind of make a difference in how you process it, right? Because like you said, Absolutely. even if something didn't work the way you intended, you still learn from those things, right? And you can apply that into, you know, a variety of situations going forward. And it's like, if, if you never try anything new, you know, maybe you won't fail at that thing, but like, you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep innovating. Like all those things, like you said, are, are essential for, for growing business. Cause that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is increasing those sales. And, and we can't do it by just doing everything we've always done. We've got to do new stuff and, um, you know, not everything new <laughs> works well the first time. So being willing to, uh, to step out and then to go back, like you said, learn, did it work? Why, why not? You know, why, or why did it work? Why did this work? Great. You know, what can we take from this thing that was excellent and apply as many, you know, components of that on as many different things as we can. You've got to be able to learn from the past. And, uh, most of all learning from the past is, uh, it's two-sided it's learning from all the great things that have happened. And it's learning from some of the things that have still leftover opportunity that you weren't that 100% successful at. And then you hit the fast forward button and you throw a whole different angle at it and you pretend it's March of next year. And what if, and you throw a couple of hypotheticals out at yourself, um, what if I haven't been able to obtain this goal or reach this goal by, by, by March or where should I be in March? Uh, or how can I ensure that this goal is gonna be reached by March those are all things that you really need to take a good hard look at right now and understand timelines, understand your, your resources and what you have available at your fingertips and understand how legitimate that goal or objective is going to be for getting completed in March. And so you're doing a lot of looking in the past. You're doing a lot of current now reflection upon what's going on in yourself and within the industry and your organization. And then 
you're also hypothetically moving forward into the future and determining if that timeline and if uh, whatever particular goal or plan that you have for later on is going to be even relevant at that particular time. So you've got a lot of thinking and a lot of planning to do for sure. So that's a, a, a good thing that we are starting now, Scott, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Give as much extra time as you can before you actually turn the page on that calendar year. Yep, it is never too late. And uh, well, I shouldn't say never. It, it would be too late if it was March and we were talking about <laughs> this right now. But um, now is a perfect time to get started on this or to finish up what your plan is. A great next step would be obviously uh, your executive leadership team being able to uh, have a part in agreeing and helping form the goals and objectives for the next year moving forward. And then that divide and conquer process of reaching out to the rest of the support team and the operations team and the procurement wholesale team and making sure that you've got that partnership with each of those groups and make sure that uh, your goals and objectives are not your best kept secret. Everybody needs to know about them and there needs to be some partnership involved in that one. Absolutely. Well, Scott, like you said, we could talk about this topic for days because it's such a big topic, but we'll wrap it up there for this time. Thank you so much for joining me again. I think there's lots of great, um, you know, concrete takeaways for folks in here and uh, really appreciate it. You're very welcome and good luck to everyone out there on your goals and objectives, whether it is in the world of retail produce, uh, one of my favorites, or it's in more of the, the wholesale end of the business or a different uh, facet of fresh produce in some capacity. Lots of different goals and objectives out there and lots of different timelines for folks to be worried about and start plotting and planning for. So good luck on your endeavors, everybody. So that was our conversation with Scott. Thank you so much for being part of our community of listeners this year. We have been really privileged in 2022 to bring you so many voices from across the produce retail landscape, from VPs and directors to merchandisers to produce managers to store directors, consumer trends experts, folks who specialize in behind the scene components of the department like lighting and refrigeration. It has just been an amazing first full year for the Produce Retail Podcast. And I cannot say thank you enough for the support of all the guests who have contributed their time and expertise um, and to the folks who have given us a chance to be part of their journey in growing this industry. So thank you again. I wish you the happiest of new years and we will see you again next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.